Welcome to a special episode of Afikra Movie Night. Here on set with us is filmmaker Philippe Aretinji, who is a Lebanese filmmaker who's been working in the industry for decades. You have made films that have been part of the landscape of Lebanese films like Bosto, which I grew up watching. So I'm excited to talk about all of your films, but more importantly, I want to talk about the play that you're working on and how I think it encapsulates many of the different things that you're doing. But I want to ask you, from your perspective, is the first noun in your bio, in your own head, filmmaker, or is it writer or storyteller? What's what's the sort of dominant thing that you think of yourself as? As a, as a work? Yeah. Yeah, as a work, I think I'm a storyteller. And I've been looking for the way of telling a story. I find that uh, audiovisual would be great. I thought that audiovisual would be great because I was initially dyslexic. Me too. I didn't know how to write nor how to read. Yeah. I still don't know how to read. But then I realized that I needed to write in order to make a script because, you know, you have to write your own stories. And then I, uh, I, I am a writer in a way, but I'm a storyteller. And now in the play that I'm trying in the 15th of June, so yeah. uh, starting 15th of June in Mono, I'm, uh, I'm telling stories and I'm telling the stories that I didn't tell, that I wanted to tell or that I wanted to, to, uh, to make as films. All the films that I didn't make, but all the films that I want to make. I'm a storyteller, I think. Yeah. Did you grow up going to the theater? Is that like a is that a medium that you grew up with? Not really. I yeah. when I was a kid, I used to see at Canal Neuf. You uh, you I don't remember, still no. remember Canal Neuf. It was a French canal in uh, in uh, in Lebanon, and they had uh, au théâtre ce soir. So I used to see that a lot. But now I'm not a theater person. I came to theater. Maybe because uh, I needed to express myself orally and the the theater is an oral way of telling a story. I've yeah. tried photography, I've tried audiovisual. When you say audiovisual, it's audio and visual. And now I'm trying in another way. I'm, I'm always trying, I'm searching in a way. I, I Even in my films, I haven't done the same type of films. I mean, Bosta yeah. was a musical, Under the Bombs was a war film, Heritage was an autobiography, Listen was a love story, and so on for my documentaries. So I'm always searching, trying. So it's so funny, because like, I've heard you mention that many times, and it's, and it's immediately obvious that you are not bound by a specific style or a specific medium, and it would make the viewer assume, you know, this guy's looking for something. Mm. What are you actually looking for? Hi, you can say that, but you can also say it differently. I'm, I'm going to answer your question. Yeah. If I'm looking for something, it's probably to define my identity mm -hmm. and to see exactly who I am. And by saying that, I'm, I'm saying who we are also. I mean, when you look at yourself, you look and you do a piece of whatever art or so-called art, then you're doing it not only for yourself, but you're doing it for the others. When, when you're dancing on your wound, as I say in Bosta, you're dancing, uh, you're making that Depke dance or techno Depke dance in Bosta, my film, as a, as a, as a healing element for the whole 
people who have lived war and who wanted to get out of it and dance on their wound. Yeah. And when you're looking for it, when, when you're looking to understand whether you belong to Lebanon or to the country where you left, which is France in my case, in the US for your case or whatever, then you're looking for your own identity. Who am I exactly? And asking that question with a film is trying to make people think about it also. Yeah. So that's one way of answering your question. The other way of asking or answering your question is, you know, the French uh, filmmakers, the, you had Truffaut and Godard, you know, they were friends. They were part of the Nouvelle Vague in France. And uh, Godard would say, I am a researcher. I should be paid by the CNRS. CNRS is Centre National de Recherche research center in France, because I'm always trying new ways of telling stories. So I'm a researcher. And uh, Truffaut would say, I make films for those who are following me. I look back and I see who is my public public, who is yeah. my uh, followers, and I make films for them. And I think I'm, I'm a little bit of both. I try things because I'm a researcher. I'm, I try stuff. Yeah. And also, I do films for those who are following because you need to be uh, consistent in terms of identity also. Yeah, it's tricky. It's so funny because like this idea of searching for identity whilst also creating a very public medium that needs an audience. I mean, you, art in many cases, especially audiovisual art, you need an audience, right? You're trying right. to put, you know, seats and butts as they, uh, butts and seats as they say. Do you feel like your audience is also searching for the same identity? Some of them, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've for Heritage, I'm receiving weekly an inbox message. Really? Still now. I mean, the film is 2015. Now, fortunately, all my films are on Netflix. So people are seeing them, I seeing them all around the world. But uh, people who are definitely touched, I mean, one of them, recently wrote to me and said, it's helping me uh, understand why I'm in Australia and why I left Lebanon. It's helping me uh, understand my attachment to Lebanon and so on and so forth. So really, I feel like sometimes, not all the time, my films are, make, are helping people. And that's amazing because it's really tough to make films in Lebanon. Yeah. So when you have such messages, like you say, okay, I'm going to try one more time. Yeah. Mm. If you look from year to year, let's start with Bosta, mm. right? The decision to make a musical, mm. is, I can't imagine that was like an easy financing <laughs> exercise. How did you pitch that? Okay. Not only pitch it to yourself, but pitch it to your collaborators. It takes a village to make these types of films. Well, pitching to myself is easy. I mean, really? you have your mirror and yourself. It's quite. You were easy. sold on the idea immediately and no music? Not at all. Not at all. I okay. mean, the story of Bosta, <laughs> I tell that story. Sorry if I spoke about my play, but it's specifically, uh, there is a whole chapter on that. Bosta was written when I was 25, was produced when I was 15. I wrote it five times, was refused 22 times by different commissions. We as filmmakers are in a way obliged to go to, you know, beg for money from Europeans to tell them what we think and get their money because we don't have money here. So we could have begged here 
but we don't have money here. And the Ministry of Culture, that's another issue, is not helping culture. Why is it not helping culture? That's another question yeah. if you want to put it aside. But in any case, I had to do my... Uh, the last time I was refused to get that film done was by a French commission telling me that Bosta is far from being a Lebanese script. So a French guy reading my script was telling me to me to Lebanese that w that wasn't what he expected from Lebanon. Because they, in their mind, you know, Westerners, had that idea that we are a war country. Now, why did I do Bosta? Because initially Bosta, when I wrote it, when I was 25, I wrote a war story. Then I went with my colleagues, you know, I used to do documentaries before, to do conferences and conferences and conferences. And we would always, you know, telling that we don't have money in Lebanon, how can we make films, you know. And then I realized that the films that we as filmmakers before Bosta were doing were small films, little budget, getting it from Europe and telling the same story, war, war, war. But the people in Lebanon were not watching them because they lived war and they wanted something else. So I took back that script 10 years later and I tried to make it a funny story. It was quite difficult to make a funny story out of a war story. Yeah. I wanted to keep the poster because of the symbol of the poster. And then I tried and I tried and I would write and dance. I love dancing myself. And then I thought, why do I, I would dance to uh, the Afro-Celt sound system. Do you know that group? No. It was mixing African and Celtic music together. It what? was the beginning of, yeah. you know, Al-Khalta or the, the, the fusion music. And then I decided, why don't we do this? Because since, I mean, now we're both Lebanese yeah. and we're uh, talking Arab English. Yeah. So why don't we melt that culture, which is a, a foreign culture, to our initial culture? And then I thought of it and so on and so forth. I wrote that script and it was refused so many times. It was so much refused that I was sick and tired of the European way of looking at us. And I came to Lebanon, went to a, a business ba uh, a bank, and I did a business plan, and I brought investors who helped me, yeah, thanks to them, to uh, make enough money and make the film all by myself. Yeah. So first of all, I want to, you talked about so many things I want to talk about. That French producer, a French investor, how much did it enrage you? I mean, the idea, the, the subtle racism, the subtle orientalism of, of somebody saying, no, quite frankly, this is not miserable enough, or this is not war-torn enough, or this is not sad enough. You, don't, you know, this is not what an Arab looks it's like. It's still a big... Uh, when I think about it, I'm still very angry, yeah, very angry. Of course. And I was so angry that I came back to Lebanon with my kids and with my wife, which wasn't happy at all to come back to Lebanon or to come to Lebanon at all. Uh, I mean, she grew up in France. She left when she was 75. I did another film about that story too. Mm -hmm. But I was so angry. Yes, it's not subtle, you know, way of looking at us. You know, it's, when you say subtle, how do you say it? Subtle... Uh, subtle racism. Racism. No, it's not subtle. It is not racism. It is... You know, preconceived stupid ideas, you know. Yeah. We love life. Okay, yeah. that is us. Maybe because of that 
pulsion of, of death, which is so present that we overreact to it and we love so much life. In any case, uh, yeah. I'm still angry to that, you know. And one of the reasons why I can't, can't come back to France, because still all my scripts have been refused in these commissions. Recently, I did listen uh, in 2018. I did listen, which is a love story. And I did it on purpose because I thought love story is by itself a rebellious story. I mean, loving people, loving each and other in, uh, yes, in, in a country which is so, so insecure. It's a rebellious. The script couldn't, the film couldn't, couldn't travel. I mean, all my film traveled. I did, I had a lot of prices. I was distributed in the US, in France, in Italy, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. show off, but you know, this one couldn't because it wasn't telling a story about misery. So if you want to go to festivals, you have to tell the misery you are in. And that's really makes me sick. It's, it's, there's this, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of this, uh, artist, this African American singer who is saying that, um, when he goes to record producers, um, the songs that they give him are about him cheating on his wife and him having, you know, having three different girlfriends and wanting to play around, not songs of building healthy, loving families, because it's a, a deeply rebellious song. It's a deeply sort of revolutionary song to talk about love. Mm. And it doesn't reinforce the stereotype. You need the stereotype. Definitely. But, you know, I have a theory about that. I think we're in the West, I mean, in, in Lebanon too, or in the Arab world too, in a different way. But yeah. in the West, we live also in a big, in a huge lie, you know. You look at magazines like Elle, Marie Claire, Vogue, whatever, and you see these young girls, 17, 18, posing skinny, posing to sell you dresses, to make your life better, to sell you a dream life, which is fake. A lot of Photoshop on this, a lot of fake stuff. But then if you want to keep that fake working, you need from time to time to put an article inside these magazines to say, you know, yes, we're lying to each other, but you see, in Africa or in Afghanistan, they're beating women. <laughs> so they really, you know, they have troubles with their life. We are in a right, in the right path. Yeah. You know, it's compensating a lie, which they, they are in a big illusion and they need to compensate that illusion yeah. with tough stories. So if these countries have normalized stories, then, then who's, you know, it's yeah, changing the like the, the 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 movies that get selected for the Oscars from war torn countries are always about the war. You're right, definitely. They're never a they're never a horror film. They're like, never a subgenre. I did four features, a lot of documentaries. I did four features, Under the Bombs, which was a film that I shot with George Chabaz and Adam Farhad just after the war. Yeah, and the it 2006 was, war. In 2006 war, yeah, so many wars that we have to exactly have to say which ones. That one, not this one, that one, no, not, not yours, mine, mine, the other one, this one, yes, anyway. So 2006 war, uh, 2006 war, I did a film with George Chabaz and Farhad, and then that film went to 44 festivals, had 23 prices, you know, not because of, I mean, not only because the film was 
different. I mean, it was shot during the war and just after the war. And it was shot with actors improvising with the real scenes. Then we wrote the script and then we shot again the intimacy of these two actors. So it was really different. But also because it was directly in a theme where people could take the film. When you do Bostar, I mean Bostar, to make it this to distribute Bosta in France was very hard for me. Distributor would like the film, but didn't know how to, you know, how to sell that film. Yeah. They didn't know how to put it. Yeah, it's it's so true. I want to talk about something else you mentioned. Yes, um, I mentioned a lot of. You things. mentioned a lot of things, but you said a term. Um, you said a word that caught my attention: industry. Industry. Yeah. Is there a no film industry? Yeah, there is no film industry. No. Why? We have been making films in the region, and let's just talk about Lebanon for a second, but then we'll, we'll sort of broaden. Industry suggests commerce. Yes. And suggests sustainable business models. Right. You can't have industry if you only rely on funding from foundations. Right. Why don't we have an industry? We have so much private money in this country. We, we have, have a lot of people who have a lot of stories. We've lived a lot. Yeah. So definitely we have a potential of making beautiful films, yeah. great films, and we're storytellers. Everybody in the streets, you ask him his story, you have a, a potential film here. Yeah. So you have a lot of stories, but you don't have a market uh, and you don't have funds from the States. I mean, if you look at our neighbors just in the South, can yeah. you tell them over there? They started making scripts and then they started giving funds. Now they give $10 million per year for 30 feature films. That's only for the features. You have a lot of series where they give a lot of money too. So they really have an industry in uh, does it, Romania. Does it create returns though? Does it eventually does well, it actually turn it, into a... It makes it... A very, it's, it's really very interesting. Uh, an investor sometime uh, once told me, not an investor, a politician man, told me it's small investment, big return. Because, uh, I mean, look at the, uh, how do you say Marie in, uh, in, French, in English? The, 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 the mayor, uh, no, mayor, uh, the mayor of a, of a city. A mayor, yeah. A mayor, but the mayor, anyway, the, the mayor in New York, they give money for films that are shot in New York. Oh, like the municipality. The municipality, yeah, thank yeah. you. So the municipality, they give money because they know that if you film in New York, you're going to uh, bring back people to New York. Yeah. If you promote the city, you're going to bring back. So in a way, if you film Lebanon, you're going to promote Lebanon. And if you promote Lebanon, you're promoting tourism, you're promoting a lot of... Stuff. Yusuf Beydas understood this very, very clearly in the 1950s and 1960s. The, uh, China did yeah. a film called Vivre in French. I don't know the, the Chinese word for it. It was more than 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. It went to Cannes. Tourism started improving 20% more after the film. Okay, New Zealand with these films that they make, they improve their their tourism by 60%. Yeah. So not only tourism, you gain in so many ways. Also, you become an identity. You have your own identity. That's the good thing about it, politically speaking. But also in Lebanon, it helps people understand each other. If I 
Lebanese from Ashrafiyya Christian makes a film about my own around, surrounding. And another guy from Dahi makes a film about his own surrounding. And we see each other. Maybe we can understand each other without having these preconceived ideas. Specifically yeah. that films are about emotions. And if a film touches you, then you can have empathy to others. Therefore, you can understand him instead of having preconceived ideas. Yeah. So cinema has so much, but we don't have an industry because we're not helped by the government. Because also Lebanese films are specific. They're not traveling easily. Bosta was the first film to go outside in the Gulf world. But still, so far, the Egyptians are taking the market. And uh, now we do have an industry for television. We have a lot of people doing, but cinema is not really starting. So you have a lot of individuals who are making one stand film from time to time. Therefore, we have films. Yeah. But filmmakers who have done more than three films are rare. Is there, do you feel like there's a same crisis in terms of uh, filmmaking uh, versus TV here in the region as as is going on in the States and in Europe? where people aren't going to see films anymore. So khalas, every sort of prestige television. Otherwise, taken. I wouldn't do <laughs> theater. No, yeah. it's not true. I wanted to do theater long ago. Yeah. But yes, one of the reasons why I went to theater is to carry on expressing myself freely. Uh, and when I say freely, it's because cinema now is in a big change. People are not going as much as they used to to cinema. And also uh, uh, Amazon, Netflix and everything, all these platforms are taking over. And when they take over, there is a lot of editors in the, in the, in the, uh, around the table. So your, your space of freedom, do you say space of freedom, yeah. is not as good as it was. Although I'm a, you know, Mukhadram, experienced filmmakers, I can impose stuff, but they don't care because they look at figures. And also you have, you know, if you look at platforms now, they want films that are Saudis or Egyptians, because if they want subscribers, they want subscribers for these countries. So if you bring a content, Lebanese content, they, they're not as interested as a Saudi content. So you have to either write for the market or write for other medium like theater yeah. and stay free. My idea is to stay as much as possible free. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about advice. I mean, you've been doing this for quite some time. Did I? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I thought I started yesterday. What advice would you give to the sort of 25 year old version of yourself? Um, who's interested in writing films, interested in directing films, interested in producing them. Trust your feeling, you know, these shit things. Is that true? I don't think, you're being cynical, right? I don't um, think that that's true. I mean, be mad. <laughs> it's, um, I've been cynical, yes, and no at the same time, you yeah. know, because, you know, I hate, you know, these short sentences that you can put on, on on Instagram and that kind of stuff. Can we put this sentence on it? Trust your feeling. 
Go for your guts. Make it. <laughs> Conquer the mountain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough business. It's a tough business. I mean, what I said to 18 years old school when I was in uh, Jamhur, I said, really have to believe that you have something else to say. Really something different to say. You have something to say. Otherwise, it's not worth it. It's not just a job. It's, it's not a job, it's, it's, it's a hard work thing. It's really hard because you are in, in a country or you are in a job where it's not that easy. They won't give you the chance to make it. And you'll have to fight. I mean, look at Bosta. It was refused 22 times. That means 22 slap on my face and say, we're yeah. not going to give you the chance to make it. Yeah. And then I brought my kids and my wife back and they didn't like it. And then, and even when you make a film, a, you don't have enough money to make it. So you have to run, run, run. B, you have to shoot that thing 16 times because you wanted it like this and not yeah. like that. So it's another war because your technicians, they're supposed to stop after 10, 10 hours and you manage, you need to shoot that thing. So it's a war, you know, even Kubrick would say it's, it's, it's a fight. It's a constant fight. He used to do six, 76 times the, the, the one take, you know. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was special. I could, I, I would love to do that, but I don't have the mean for it. Yeah. So, and, and so you're fighting to have that, you know, way of seeing things. So if your way of seeing things is not very accurate and it's not pushing you from behind saying, you need to sell us, you need to tell that story. Stories come to me and they come to me sometimes because people tell me stories. They come to me because like they got little birds that come here and I should, and like I have a story of a of a of a of a khatata of a calligrapher Arab khatata Arab calligrapher a little younger I wrote that story in 2018 eight eight that was 15 years till now that story come back to me and says hey I came to you what the heck did you do with me yeah I wallah I tried nobody wanted to produce wallah I will come back to you you know stories are uh pushing you persistent persistent they inhabit you they want you to say them and once they are out there in the ears and eyes of the others then you are released and before that you are sick all the time yeah that's my play so it's it's crazy though because once it gets out there right once the so the bird convinces you yeah right you say, no, 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 not now, not now, now. I don't know what to do with you. Not, not now. I've tried. Wallah, I've tried. I told that investor, he said, go heck. Eventually, do you, are you, are you tweaking the pitch or are you just trying to find the right investor? Of course, you try to pitch, to pitch differently yeah. because you want to sell it. But my but question The bird doesn't care how it's going out. Yeah. It needs to get out. Once it gets out. Yeah. Is the story your story anymore? No. So like, listen, let's take a listen, which is a complicated idea, mm -hmm. right? Once it goes out there, the people leave, somebody calls you up, they watch it on Netflix and they're like, Philippe, man, I watched that film and it's amazing. It made me feel X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And you completely disagree. That wasn't your intention at all. Right. What is your reaction to that? I'm happy. Really? I'm happy, yeah. And sometimes they don't like the films also because when the film is out, yeah. Then the reaction towards it 
for all the films, not only listen, but heritage or booster or whatever, is according to their own wound. If you their like wound, wound, yeah. Oh, interesting. And their own sensitivity. If you like listen for a reason or for another, then therefore you're definitely, you're definitely into romanticism. You're definitely into sound, into sensuality. Yeah. You're definitely into, um, uh, how do I say that? Yeah, uh, into non-preconceived ideas about the others and so on and so forth. And even eventually into spirituality, because for me, it's one of the most spiritual films that I yeah. did. But uh, so if you liked it, I can see where you are. And if you liked something more than others, then I can see where you are in terms of sensitivity or wounds. Sometimes they would tell me, why did you do this in this film? And it was a small detail about, I don't know why. I mean, in Under the Bombs, there is a, a woman who was Shia, she had Arak on her table. She didn't drink, but the guy who was the chauffeur gave her Arak because he thought she would drink. Yeah. She didn't. So for me, it wasn't like I was pushing a non, uh, a non-Christian to drink. It was like it was there. I mean, yeah. he was so shocked by that. I mean, the whole film was telling a whole other story. Mm. But then she looked at that little cup. So you can see her wound or her sensitivity or her thinking of me having preconceived ideas or having trying, you know, political. See, yeah. You can sense people around that. But the film, yeah, once I do a film, I don't like to see it anymore. Really? Yeah. Is it because you're looking for faults or because you, it's a, you, you don't see yourself it's out there? It's not that I don't see myself. It's definitely me. It's part of me at that time in my life. Yeah. But I, I it's not mine anymore. It, it, it's, yeah, it's not mine anymore. It's, yeah. uh, Tell us, the bird is gone. The bird is gone. They say your, your kid, your, 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 your children are not your children. Yeah. And I would say my films are not my films. Our yeah. films here to exist. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, yes, it's true. Although it's uh, Instagram kind of, you know. Yeah. Do you feel like you're part of a scene here? I'm always so, so curious I, about I that. Hate, I hate to think like this. I know, but I wonder about that. I've been, so I'll give you context about why I'm asking this question. Right. And I don't feel like I'm part of a scene. Right. And I very, I've always sort of felt this insider-outsider pull. Right. Especially in my job now. Right. right? Because I'm not an artist, I'm not an academic, I'm right. not from the media world. Right. And no, mean hi don't Right. And ONJ hi. Right. All right. So, and over the time, over the course of all these interviews, right. People who I think of as being central to the scenes that they come from. Right. Uh, like um, Joanna Haji Thomas and right. Ali Jurej, Right. I asked them, and they said, "Yeah, we I keep you're not part of the scene." And I thought to myself, how is that possible? How did you not feel that way when you started working? And it seems like this recurring theme that everyone kind of feels like they're their own little island and they're unconnected. Is that how you feel? Definitely Bosta, when it came to the, to the Lebanese cinema, it brought 140,000 people. Before that, Lebanese film would do 2,000, 3,000 entries per film. Mm. So it brought back the Lebanese people into the cinema. And because I was so much angry towards the French who refused the script, I put on the script 
on the, the, the poster, 100% Lebanese film, because we brought Lebanese investors. And we did it locally, except for the uh, mixing. But we did it with local people all the way through. So I was very proud that it was Lebanese. So definitely before that, the film, the people wouldn't go to cinema as much as. And after that, the other films started working. I mean, the other film, Lebanese film was Falafel. It did 20,000 entries or, or something like that, around 20 to 25, I can't remember. But it did better than the 2000 before Bosta. So it brought people back to say, okay, Lebanese films, maybe they're interested, interesting. So, yeah. you, so definitely I was part of the scene. But malgré moi, you know, I didn't, I didn't do it to become part of the scene. I wanted to express that little bird who wanted to say a story. And then I was part of the Lebanese Foundation for Cinema. I was one of the, I was one of those who, you know, thought with other people how to create a foundation. And I was also uh, in different type of, uh, you know, I went to see so many Minister of Culture to tell them how to change that yeah. cinema. But I've tried a lot. I'd like it to be more, uh, maybe because I travel a lot and maybe because I'm always you know, taken by. I'm not always in the scene to help people or to be part, but I'm always available. So yes, and that's one part of your question. The other part of the question is, I would like to see myself as a Lebanese filmmaker more than as a filmmaker. You know, oh, interesting. In, in general. And I'm always happy when my films are traveling. And for me, a real feature film is not a film that is in cinema, but a film that goes to festivals and that goes to different countries and is really dist distributed. Because your message has to be uh, universal. And I'm proud to be part of these filmmakers, not only me, who have been like Joanna and others, who have been, you know, traveling and showing their film stories, message, whatever, to other countries. Uh, because they say there is a lot of Lebanese films, but some of them are TV films that goes on cinema. They're not necessarily films. Yeah. And also I belong to so many culture, you know, although I'm 100% Lebanese, I think, I mean, if Lebanese is 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 a definable identity, thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a hundred percent that undefined thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <it's interesting>. <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah. it is, I'm a hundred percent that. Um, I, I, even if it's completely vague, I'm a hundred percent that. <laughs> so I'm hundred percent vague in a way, and I, yeah, I mean. I lived in France. I I, uh, I I I love making films where you see. Listen, go back to listen. I yeah. showed it. It didn't work very well here in Lebanon. People, I think, didn't understand it. But I showed it in the States. It was beautiful how people realize, re reacted to it. Mm. I thought I should have done it in English. Yeah. So many people understood it, loved it, and so on and so forth. I thought romantic people are more in the New York than in Beirut, maybe. I can't, I, I didn't understand. Is it? And humor, I mean, in the UK, when I do a re, uh, uh, when I discuss about one of my films, people are reacting so differently to humor. I remember I saw, I saw 
uh, Brazil from Terry Gilliam. Did you know? Do you know that yeah. film? Beautiful yeah. film. You should see it. Yeah. I saw it like nine times. I saw it in London. In London, the whole uh, it was filled with people, and everybody was laughing, laughing to tears, really laughing. So the same film a month later in France, the cinema was filled with people. Nobody was laughing. Everybody yeah. was thinking. You would think the you know the French intellectual thinkers. Yeah. I saw it in Beirut, came in a few months later, okay, four people were in the cinema, three of them left, I was by myself. <laughs> so see, that's interesting to see how a film is seen in different countries. So when you make a film that can succeed in the UK, in France, in Italy, I mean, Under the Bombs was distributed in 35 cinemas. Uh, it had three prices in Venice. I was so happy because you can sense that yeah. your bird who told you that thing, it told you a story that is that can touch the heart of so many people. Yeah. Okay, I want to I want to explore this idea for a second. Second. Yeah. Um, could it be right that the language that you you Philippe express humor strong in the most strongest fashion and the strongest fashion is actually english and you will actually have an international sense of humor a more a western sense of humor and a more western uh gaze and so when listen is viewed in in new york for example they're like eh, i understand what this guy is saying i get it mm -hmm. i was i think about that a bunch because Sometimes, I mean, it's it's not black or white, yeah. you know, it's always great. Sometimes when I write a dialogue, I co-write with people. I say, how do you translate that? Because I have experience to also follow up because I produce my films. So I follow the whole steps yeah. all the way. So when you come to translate a joke, for instance, you know, that joke can't be translated. It's too Lebanese. Correct. So you skip it. You just skip it because you know you're going to translate it. So you prefer to find another joke that can be translated. Oh, wow. There are jokes that can be purely Lebanese and can be translated. I mean, I often say when they offer me something in, in France or UK or whatever, I say, you are generous and we deserve it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it works. <laughs> See, it's really like, okay, so that can be translated. It's typically us, but at the same time, it could, you know, be a visual that can be translated. Yeah. But some others are, that are jokes with words that are so Lebanese that it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. work. So the, when it comes to jokes, yes. When it comes to feelings, that is universal. Yeah. So a woman losing her child in Under the Bombs and searching for her child, that is a universal wound, universal search, universal whatever. Yeah. People wanting to dance because they lived war, that is also a universal feeling and so on and so forth. Exile is so much, I mean, 20% of the population, apparently, even more than 25%, I think, is exiled people from first generation, not even third generation. Yeah. So exile is a big thing for heritage and so on and so forth. So you go, not you go, I mean, it doesn't that I do it on purpose, but you try to find universal stuff, things that are in the emotion. Yeah. Even now in my play, my, my director, who's Lina Abiyad, uh, who's telling me how to play, and yeah. very famously now, uh, 
she's trying to say, go for the emotion. What's the emotion in that sentence? And if we can't find an emotion in that sentence, then we skip the whole thing. Because, you know, it's really about what you feel and, and what you have to say and so on and so forth. Now, saying that, I realize sometimes that some of my colleagues, and it comes in theater more than in cinema, who writes directly in Arabic, they have something eventually a bit more specific, more ah, asli. Yeah. Than those who are like me, Bandain, you know, like they don't know where they are, whether they're French or Arabic or whatever. And they write in French, then they translate in Arabic. Yeah. It's not necessarily the thing, the same thing. So recently I wrote a script, and by the way, I'm looking for a producer. If there is any producer, call me or call him. <laughs> he takes his commission uh, about food and women. And I wrote it with somebody who writes directly in Arabic because I wanted the language, the lingua, to come from the initial juice, the initial tamil libnini. Yeah. And that was very interesting for me because it gave me an, a different type of story. So thinking about language, I want to talk about the, the play. Right. It's in Arabic. Right. You're, you're performing in Arabic. Yep. That is a big departure. Uh, it, it is, it is. That's a big decision. Why did you make that decision? And what are the ramifications of that decision for the end product? You see, initially, I'm very much Francophone. I speak yeah. French with my mom. And Arabic, I used to speak Arabic with uh, the, my father and those who I don't like to call them maids because, you know, they were like my mothers in a way who would speak, who would work at home. Uh, my films, I initially wrote them in French and little by little I started translating them. And translating a dialogue is bringing back an emotion in Arabic. And it's a different feel, completely different feel. So I started falling in love uh, to, with Arabic little by little. I'm, I'm talking about 20 years of work. Yeah. Uh, am I that old? <laughs> Two years of work. Two years of work. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I fell in love with the Arabic and Arabic language is so beautiful. I mean, yeah. there is so much adjective, adjective for so many words. You can say the same thing in so many ways with so much colors. Uh, I mean, they can talk about Arabic better than I do, but you know, I fell in love with that language. And recently when we were doing the play, I wrote it in French initially with Lina Abia. Then Lina was saying, why don't you do it in Arabic? I mean, people here in Lebanon, they speak Arabic more than French. You know, yeah. do have more public, more people coming and so on and so forth. And I said, yes, okay. I, di I did my voiceover of my films in Arabic. I, I, I'm, I'm okay in Arabic. Why don't? And then by tr translating it little by little, I realized that it's the story of a guy who's been trying to tell stories since he was that much, even when he was that much, and it starts with that, he couldn't speak. I couldn't speak before the age of five. I couldn't speak. I was dyslexic. I was, um, you know, ambidextre. You know, I would speak. I would write with two hands. Wow. I was completely lost in probably languages and in the language itself. And then little by little, I taught myself how to speak 
how to write, although I was really bad at school, and how to express myself, whether it's in photography, whether it was in filming, whether, whether, whether. And then I realized that all that long way was to find back the initial language, which is, I call it in the play, manna lughat al-dad, lughat al-ha' al-hayat, al-hurriyah, al-hub, wal-ruh. So it was really about finding back al-ruh, wal-ruh hiyi bil-arabi, andi. Sorry, you'll have to subtitle. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it is that spirit. Right, it is that spirit. In, in fact, right. um, on a scale of one to ten, how how petrified were you of doing the challenge and performing it live? And why do you say petrified? Petr you, how petrified are, are you now? Are you still <laughs> petrified? Yeah. Yes, I am. I am. I'm very much so. But you know, at one point, I said to myself, "Khalas, I'm going there." So whether it's good, whether it's bad, I'm going there. And there is a guy who told me, why do you do this? And I answered the same thing about the bird, you know. Something from inside takes you and then throw you, yeah. either in, on a set or on a stage. And then you find yourself, okay, now I have to play the filmmaker. Now I have to, you know, act. You're like, okay, what do I do? Even if you don't know what to do, you're going to do it, you know, like you, yeah. you just jump and then you find yourself on it. And then like the other actor would say, believe in it, believe in it, believe in it. Then you believe in it and then you're, you're up there and then yeah. you go in it. That's it. Am I scared? I definitely, I have that, you know, but definitely I'm going there. Yeah, it's scary for sure. Because it's not only, it's not only a, a challenge linguistically, obviously, and a challenge from as a performance. It's super uh, um, vulnerable. Definitely. Not because only that, a, because I'm also telling my own story. Yeah, it's autobiographical. It's autobiographical. It's about me telling that I couldn't speak. Who gives a shit? Uh, it's about me telling my stories. Who cares? You wonder, am I, I mean, am I, am I going to tell stories that are universals or not? That's the thing. But, you know, before I do this, I've been working with Lena for two years. Lena finds the, the, the text very true. Uh, a lot of my friends wrote, the, the, read the, the text, told me that it's the deepest thing that I ever... I'm sure that I'm saying stuff that are really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure there are some people that wouldn't like it. I mean, can we please everyone? And yeah. do we want to please everyone? And do we want to please anything, anyone? And we want to tell our stories. That's what we want to do. It. Is the they, idea... they asked me, why do you do that job? I said, I don't know how to do something else. You know, I would love to do, may I make money, for instance. Yeah. Can you teach me? <laughs> Not yet, no. <laughs> I'll call you if I, if I figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you, um, if it's a smash success, is the idea that this is going to turn into a feature? It could could you see two of my films were done and some producers told me you should make it a film a short film that i did i was the first guy who, who traveled who not traveled who f flew in paraglide in lebanon yeah. that was in the 90s you were very young at that time yeah, yeah, yeah and the paraglide at that time didn't exist at all in lebanon so i went to do paragliding and i realized that 
Nobody knew what it was. They would see a paraglider, they would just shoot him and then us. <laughs> so I thought that's an idea of making a film. So yeah. I did a film about myself asking people permission, please don't shoot at me, I'm going to fly. Whatever. That was funny, you know, because flying is a, a, is a metaphor for freedom. For sure. So there is a producer who saw that film. It was an 18-minute film. It was very successful in France. Went to different festivals anyway. And she said, you should do it as a feature. Why do I have to tell the same story differently? You know? Mm. So, and also, listen, there is a, an American producer, French, Leban French, Lebanese, American producer, said, you should do that story in the U.S., I thought of it twice because maybe, I mean, you always have that fantasy of working in the, the U.S. where there is a real industry. But then, so far, yeah. so I don't know if I can tell the same story differently twice. Yeah. I feel like this, the theater, the play, you're basically saying the same thing. Please don't shoot me. I'm trying to fly. Essentially. Very good. Right? I didn't think about it. Yes. That's essentially what you're doing. Please. <laughs> Please don't shoot at me. I'm, I'm going to try to fly. Yes. Yes. Who? Um, do you have any the sort of influences or people who you feel like gave you permission to hop genres so effectively? Or were there filmmakers that you looked up to that said, look, he went from a musical to a documentary, from a documentary to a love story, from a love story to this and or she did that, and are there any sort of... Um... No, I didn't look at filmmakers and say, okay, they did it, why don't I do it? No, I, I never thought like this. I realized later on that I did similar stuff to filmmakers, other filmmakers, they did stuff. Like when I did Under the Bombs, yeah. it, was, it was quite unique as an experience because we shot while the war was on with small cameras, improvising scenes. Then three days after the war, 2006 war, we shot with two actors and the rest were non-actors playing automatically themselves, knowing that it was a feature film, not a documentary. Uh, it was very clear in the beginning. But anyway, uh, trying this spontaneously. So it was a unique experience. I thought nobody would did it before. Then I realized that um, an Italian filmmaker, I'm going to bring his name back to my memory, uh, did uh, Berlin and Isero, Berlin year one. Hmm. He shot two years after the war, not exactly three days, but at that time the camera was as, as, you know, as heavy as this table yeah. with non-actors. And, uh, and, uh, and, and real uh, settings like I did for Under the Bombs. So I realized, yeah, he did it before. And the other one did, I mean, Wim Wender did a lot of documentaries, a lot of features, a lot of genres, which are so many different. different. Yeah. Uh, although if you look at the filmmakers that I enjoy, they have a unique way of looking like Fellini or Costa Rica or even uh, 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 Terry Gilliam, Brazil and so on. They have their word, you know, and I would love to have that word and fantasy word and so on and so forth. But I think living in Lebanon is living in a constant, I wouldn't say fiction, but it's a, such a weird place. Surreal. Surreal place yeah. that creating another 
layer of surrealism. On top of that, surrealism is quite difficult. I mean, bring your camera downstairs, you already have a film. You know? Yeah, it's stranger than fiction already. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to shift to the quick Q&A. And I'm going to ask you four quick questions and see how, uh, what the how quick you are, how quick you are. I'm not quick. So, <laughs> the first question is, what are you reading or watching these days? Mm. Not reading a lot. Uh, I have a book about the soul <laughs> yeah. close to my, uh, to my bed, but I'm not reading a lot for two reasons, because I'm so much taken by the play. And because also I'm not a quick reader, I'm dyslexic, as I told you. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I'm trying to read stories now. I used to read a lot about spiritualities and that sort of stuff. But now I'm trying to go for normal stories. Yeah. Yeah. Do you spend time watching other films or shows? Films a lot. Yes, yeah. I do. Um, I'm a little bit lost in these. Uh, in these, you know, when you have to, so much to choose, you don't know how to choose anymore. Yeah. So uh, when I open movie or Amazon, uh, not Amazon, uh, Netflix, I'm a little bit lost. So I go back to my list. They told me this film is good. They told me that thing is good. So I try to go for it and watch yeah. it. But, you know, they we, we lose a little bit of that, you know, spontaneous way of finding something and looking at it yeah. and looking at it. Scorsese has his sort of iconic list of the like 10 films or 15 films that every film student should uh, watch. Do you have a similar list in the back of your mind that if you speak to somebody who says, oh, I'd love to be a filmmaker, or I want to be a film student, or I want to work in film, do you say, yeah, listen, here's the, here's the list of films really you should watch? I mean, I do have films that are, that pleases me. Yeah. Uh, but often when I see people and I know a little bit about them, um, you know, we started by me asking Brazil, questions yeah. about you and see whether, where you fit. And you see, in your case, I would say for my films, go see Heritage, not see the other one. Yeah. Because, and sometimes I, 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 I advise few, few films regarding their own personality because they would, uh, you know, like uh, recently, a very spiritual person, I told her she should see uh, The Wing of Desire of uh, Wim, Van, Wim Wender uh, or uh, Si Loin Si Proche from Wim Wender, which both films are in black and white, absolutely beautiful, but they're not accessible to everyone. So I wouldn't say, OK, this is my list. Go for it. I would I would uh, how do you say uh, make a list for people eventually a customized customized list. Yes. I thought of a business like this. You know, I always yeah. think of business that I never do and I'm still no business. So. Yeah. Yeah. OK. The second question is, who would you love to shadow for a day past or present? What do you mean shadow? I mean, spend a day with expression. Uh, yeah. Spend a day with uh, sort of invisibly as their shadow. Person alive or a person? Past or present, anyone. Oh, Fellini, definitely. Shadow yeah. for many days. Yeah. Get in his mad mind, yes. Oh, definitely. What What sort of captivates you about him in particular? His fantasy. He wouldn't, uh, he would say, I am a, I'm a liar. Which I adore, you know, filmmakers 
saying out loud that he's a liar. It's beautiful. And he had so much fantasy, he wouldn't care about, you know. They came for La Naviva, a film he did on a boat in the, in the sea. They brought him the specialized guy who would do the pure, perfect sea that you could film on macro. And he looked at it and he says, it's too realistic. So he took bags, uh, um, plastic bags, you know, for Lazbeli, and he put wind underneath it. So you had that plastic bag moving like this with beautiful uh, lighting and it became a sea which is completely weird but so beautiful. So he's a painter, he's he has a different way of and he thinks through paintings which in a way I think through painting but I'm not a painter. He was more a painter so I'd love to go into his mind. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I ask for him to come and help me. Yeah. But I'm not sure he does, but I ask anyway. Amazing. You never lose. Um, what do you think people most misunderstand about your work? You see, for me, they, they don't know where to put me. They don't know where to define me. For my ego, it's a compliment. For me, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a little bit like... Could you widen your way of thinking and, and yeah. see that I'm just trying to different stories, different ways? Uh, so I think this, this is mainly it, you know. Why did you do that? Why didn't you do the other? I mean, there is a distributor who still wants me to do another version of Bosta, or Bosta number two, or Bosta number three. I, I, just say bye, I don't know how to repeat that. Yeah. Back, uh, back on the route. You can have some uh, cute uh, sub <laughs> subtitle. What's uh, the number two? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fairs are different. Um, and then the last question is, whose work do you admire or are inspired by outside of your profession, outside of filmmaking? Who, when you engage with their work, gives you inspiration, brings those birds to your shoulder? So many people. A lot of filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, a lot of paintings also. I mean, Kandinsky. Kandinsky is like, well, each time I, I mm. even sometimes I go back in the books and I look at paintings just to, uh, you know, open, open my mind. Um, they said that there are two ways of making your mind progress is by being fascinated and empathy. So I, I, sometimes I go back to stuff that, you know, made me, wow, how did they do this? Yeah. Do you think filmmaking is getting better in the last 20, 30 years um, here or worse? Here or here. in the, the world? Uh, here. I mean, here, definitely, yes, because we didn't have much. Yeah. So, I mean, we're doing, so therefore we're getting better. But, you know, I prefer old films than modern films. Yeah. Uh, modern films are so much you know I know so much how to create a film to create a story that you know I've I've been taking courses reading stuff about script writing there are so many tricks that now you can see tricks everywhere like if it's an action film 99.9% .9 of the film it starts with an action scene that shows how far the character can go and how much he can lose. 
then then after 10 minutes you should know where the story is and then after 30 minutes you this is the end of the first act you should go to the second act and at the end everything should go fast i mean so much is written so well that it becomes like uh, you know preconceived fast that's, for, that's yeah. a formula it, it, a lot so when you're astonished i mean recently even spielberg who is very much into you know making films that are packaged he did a personal film, which is beautiful. I didn't watch it. It's good. Yeah, it's for me. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, and he astonished me. And recently, I heard I, I have to check that information that it didn't work. The film didn't work commercially. Commercially, yeah. for me, it was one of his best, if not the best, film he ever did. Very mature film. Very yeah. interesting film. It's autobiographical, isn't yeah, it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I personally love our autobiographical stories. I yeah. mean, Heritage is one. This play is a little bit autobiographical, although it tells stories that I wanted to tell, not necessarily about me, but also about stories that I wanted to tell. Uh, Almodovar did an autobiographical story recently, which yeah. was beautiful. I mean, his cinema is absolutely wonderful. You're like, a, you're very playful. Do you, yeah, yeah, you are. I thought I was serious. <laughs> Do you yeah. still feel like that same 15-year-old? Are you basically the same person telling the same stories? Am I older yeah. than 15 then? <laughs> are yeah. you implying that's your I'm question? Implying. Yeah, yeah. I forgot how old I was, yeah. I mean, I'm always like, why am I, why are you saying sir to me? I mean, uh, I'm your age, young man. Uh, and then I look at my face and I say, maybe you're not, maybe you're not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe also I'm going into non-safe zones. You know, I'm going out of my safe zone sometimes yeah. to just play a game. I mean, recently I, I went back to paragliding. And then the teacher told me nobody wanted to give you paragliding courses because you're too old and old people, we're, we fear them. And then I don't know, why the fuck do you say am I old? I mean, yeah. I'm not. And then I realized, yes, maybe I'm over 50. That's not the same. Uh, but yes, I'm always trying stuff. And you challenge yourself eventually to stay young, maybe. But that's yeah. too much thinking for me. Yeah, I, I feel like this, there's this circle that you're doing, right? Around the same issues that you were thinking about as a, as a teenager, essentially. Where, where do I fit here? How do I fit in? Surely. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I'm working with Nina Abiyad and she's yeah. fun to work with and she's fun by herself. I mean, she's a fun person. <laughs> and and she, and she, I realize she's always playing. She yeah. doesn't give a damn about the result. It's about playing. And when you're on stage, you're playing. Yeah. And it's really playing. It's like playing my kids. And if you can make a living out of playing, I mean, you're the happiest man. Yeah. Not the richest, but the happiest. The most playful. Um, Philippe, thanks so much for doing this. Merci. Was, uh, so it goes live. The show goes live. The show goes live on the 15th of June. It will stay for a few weeks. If people come, rush, it might stay even more. Okay. But, I mean, it won't stay until August. It will stay till July. And, Where can you uh, get tickets? Uh, in Antoine. Yeah. Uh, ticketing and at the Mono, it's at Mono, it's at 8.30 every night, 15 onwards. Be there. Okay. This was so, so, so nice for you to do this. Thank thanks you. So much. Thank you very much. Thanks to you. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks to the lovely people who are filming. Thanks so much. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. 
If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikra.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks. Thanks.